Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Just, 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 just
rock him, said it all. Yep, yo, the saga begins.
message. Yo, I don't know where to start, dog, uh, but check it out. Music is my total existence, dog, straight up. Everything in my life revolves around music. It's like, can't get a relationship because I'm still with my first love, which is music. You know what I'm saying? For real. The reason I'm here, Jay Dillard, just like that. Peace. End of message. Started with rhythms, I heard listening to the wall. The bouncing of basketballs on playgrounds and all. The empty bottles is hollow wind blowing inside them. The flow and the rhyming got my alignment to a science. Mixing with my mom's in the kitchen, them spoons rattling. Pots of pan, pots of water pouring, tunes managing to come from all the fussing and rambling. What I noticed was pure music got tampered with by things showbiz does. Older thugs show the stuff like how to hold the plugs. Juice from the street light, it almost could have blown us up. Crates of records, great sessions had the whole. Hood jamming, large speakers fresh made, smell the wood sanded. Father did his blue smooth, legendary Jasmine. Saw his wife secondary to his true passion. Started with my crew rapping New Jackson 82. Never look back now, look what it changed me to music. We gotta believe the future, we gotta believe the past, we gotta believe in more than all that we have. We gotta believe each other. We gotta open up our minds Cause music is for life Next message uh, What's the difference between me and you? It's I'm a real connoisseur of this rap shit I really do it My whole life, man, it's really music Through my bass line, I'm living through it Another expression of life I couldn't live without I like my music straight pure, not watered down Damn, it felt good to fulfill the dreams of getting out the hood Kept me busy, gave me a chance to stop selling drugs Spending time in the basement kept me from acting up Zoning out, wishing Drake could check it out I'm here now, I can't believe it, proof in the pudding Everything happened for a reason Through this music I'm able to feed the family When I'm stressed out, it's my sanity It's a lifestyle, all on the street and in Hollywood Music in my DNA, it's my livelihood music we gotta believe the children, we gotta believe in hope, we gotta believe in more, they know that we know, so we gotta believe each other, we gotta open up our minds, cause music is alive. Next message, keep the music alive. The good and the strong survive I close my eyes and imagine I was Jackson 5 Randy or Michael going through life cycle Music allowed me to let life go So vital to a youngster coming up amongst street hustlers The big B to touch us in such a special place Giving the ghetto a taste of what freedom is like I reached a point in my life where I was needing a mic No second guessing, self-expression and lessons learned Aggression became sessions where sessions burned Put my soul into it, now my feet is firm in a game where a name is hard to earn And hot cats' careers get scarred and burned through the years Mine took a godly turn This is the story of my life here trapped in a verse No matter money or the movies, music is first yeah. For press use only, Baby Grand Records We gotta believe the past We gotta believe in more That know that we have We gotta believe each other we gotta open up our minds Cause music is for life We gotta believe the children We gotta believe in hope We gotta believe in more than all we 
uh, Rocket One, you know what I mean, uh, Austin MC, you know, uh, and he's part of Salmon Street, you know what I'm saying, he is Salmon Street, uh, he puts a lot of stuff together, um, and uh, the homie Alabaster Jenkins, yes, you know, <clears throat> he's uh, an artist that we got right now, man, I'll talk about him a little bit, y'all heard him even, and uh He's uh he's coming out with these cuts right now that that are just meant to make you cry. He's a he's a really deep dude, and uh, it, it, it's just the, the 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 craziest music that you've ever heard, and uh, you gotta love it. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's what we do, man. That's what we do. Shout out to the homie Ahala. Um, we came out. We 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 got a cut coming out at the end of this week, and it's uh 2015. It's a PSA. You know what I'm saying? We do a PSA every year, every other year, whenever the hell we want to, you know, (laughs) and get it done. So that's what's going on with me. That's a beautiful thing. So, and and, and like I said before, that's my man, Rawhide. I'm telling you, ever need anything mastered or put together or, or, you know what I'm saying, making this stuff come out sounding like it's supposed to be does, that's the man with the program. So as we use this diving board, we're going to jump all the way off into uh, what's going down with things that's going on around the country? First of all, and, and a very good start is um, is uh, this thing with um, what's going on in New York City uh, with Bill De Blasio and the police force. There we go. Yeah, a little bit of technical difficulty. I want to make sure that we don't get cut off from the audience here and talking to you folks. Okay, we're good. Okay, we get this thing going on with Bill de Blasio and the police department back there, and it seems that the police department uh, feels that uh, Mr. de Blasio is uh, should be blamed for the problems in the current uh, set of tensions that are going on back in New York City, and I say that that's categorically false. I mean, you're going to try to blame a man for your actions and the things that you, you as policemen have done that have, have from stop and frisk right down to, you know, the current situation with Eric Garner and everything else. Now, of course, I'm going to preface all this that I'm about to say with, you know, RIP to the officers who were innocent, two minority fellows who were innocent. They got caught up in this fracas of, 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 of things that go on. Um, but a lot of this stuff was fostered by the behavior of the NYPD. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Mr. de Blasio's position, I mean, you got officers turning their backs to him at uh, – at uh, you know these uh, funerals and stuff, where he's trying to give shout outs to them, and you know, and, and, and wish the families well and everything. And officers are taking that time, which, as their own police commissioner, heard an interesting thing yesterday uh, on uh, Fox News, where an individual was saying that, you know what I'm saying, that uh, um, how the commissioner should be the one in charge of the police and the mayor should stay out of it. Well, it's your own police commissioner that is saying, uh, you know, that you guys need to do things a little bit better. Uh, and and uh, don't use you know celebrations uh, um, for uh, for your own uh, a, a celebration of someone's life. These police officers for your own political ends and trying to and trying to make statements at funerals. That's not you know what it's really all about. So far as uh, you know, trying to celebrate these guys' lives. I mean, they you know they lost their lives, and it's, it's all due to this fracas that's going on. I'm quite sure um, Rawhide will have some other uh, opinions on this thing. But Bill Bratton is the police commissioner, and even he told you not to, you know, do this uh, 
protest during these, these officers' funerals, and you did it anyway. You know, we have the choking incidents, we have the stop and frisk, and we have a community back there in the boroughs, predominantly where the, where the brown people are at, because you're trying to blame the black-on-black crime for the fact that you're over there. You're police officers, and your officers are the law. So wherever you're called to do your duties, you need to be doing that. This whole thing with de Blasio started out because he's married to an African-American woman, his son's African-American, and although he is African-American, he is not, um, he doesn't have a stencil on his forehead that says, I am the son of the mayor. So as a concerned father, just like I am with, with three sons, you know, in their, in their 20s, uh, I'm concerned so far as their safety with uh, whatever police department, whatever city is in America, because the police have not always shown themselves to be the most honest of people. I mean, you can get folks out, not to get away from the subject, but you can get officers out in Los Angeles, California, unscrewing their antennas when they're going into these black areas of town so that their uh, actions don't pick up on the cameras um, the way that they're supposed to. So a lot of this stuff that's going on, as an African-American father, I can understand Mayor de Blasio's concern that his son could be the victim of something because, like I said, no one knows, and it has been a pretty bad situation. Understandably, the cops may be upset, but, you know, don't blame the mayor for things that are your own making and things that you have done that have fostered this situation. So, I mean, you know, that's 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 just my personal feeling on that. I don't I don't believe that. You know, Mayor de Blasio is actually the one to to be blaming because Mayor de Blasio is not the one out there arresting anybody, okay? And, and a whole lot of this saber-rattling seems to be coming from, you know, the union that the uh, that the police belong to so far as how to deal with the mayor. You got people that are supposed to be professionals on, on ESPN that uh, this Bo Deal individual that I was watching yesterday was sitting there calling the mayor garbage, calling him Big Bird. You know, it's supposed to be a professional news person. But, you know, Fox has always shown themselves to be kind of suspect anyway when it comes down to covering news. But, you know, this this whole disrespectful deal uh, in which they're, they're doing this, the mayor himself spoke on this situation. He said Mayor Bill de Blasio and his administration um, threatened to be overwhelmed by a rift with the rank and file of the New York Police Department officers. And, uh, and, and, and the particular Monday that they did this, he condemned the thousands of cops who turned their back on him during the uh, funerals uh, of these uh, slain officers. And in his public remarks, de Blasio said the cops' searing rebuke was hurtful to the families of the two that were killed in the ambush last month. So he's saying the same thing basically that I said. You have to put yourself and your personal feelings of your job kind of on hold and kind of at rest for a moment so that you can get the, have the, have be in the right frame of mind to be there what you're there for, and that's to celebrate the lives of the officers who lost their lives, not to do your own kind of personal, you know what I mean, vendetta work. You know what I'm saying? He said, the, he said, all goes on to say that these individuals who took certain actions across the last couple of weeks, they were disrespectful to the families involved. That's the bottom line, the Blasier said at a news conference. You know, he, he it was held at police headquarters, and I can't understand anyone that would do such a thing. And so, like I said, Mr. de Blasio was having to deal with a whole lot of, you know, uh, stuff that's going on, um, you know, so far as being a family man, so far as being a, a person who, uh, you know, basically, um, you know, has to deal with a lot of 
a lot of a lot of stuff, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, so what I'm attempting to do here as we talk, I'm trying to bring up, you know, the statements that the statement, uh, Bill statement about about his, you know, his son and the police, and uh, you know the thing that evidently inspired these cops to to feel like, uh, you know, it's crazy, you know, for whatever's going on. Um, and so I was trying to get get that get that ran up, but the whole thing is is that, you know, it, here it is. It Bill De Blasio it says here on oh, Google it said Bill De Blasio explains why his son needs to be careful around cops. It says here facing heat from the police union, the New York City Mayor Bill De Blasio stood by his comments earlier in the week that he made the statements that his biracial son needs to take special precautions around cops. De Blasio explained that after a non-incident, excuse me, a non-indictment of Eric Garner and his, you know, his wife, and he literally trained his son Dante how to handle encounters with police, an experience shared by African-American families around the country. And um, the police union head of the NYPD said that de Blasio threw the cops under the bus. Well, the bottom line is, is that the reality of the situation is, is that Bill de Blasio, who, who's Italian, is married to an African-American woman, and they have an African-American son. And as we've seen videos all over the country from Rodney King to Ferguson, from the, from the shooting in the back of a young man down in Los Angeles, right up to the, the victim of a recent incident in which, you know, he was claiming he couldn't breathe, and he died because and the policeman told him that, you know, if you can, if you can uh, talk, you can breathe. And, and then he ends up dying an hour later after he gets to the hospital. There's a reason why these events have continued to happen and continue to permeate themselves the way that they have. And the whole thing is that we have to look at is that, yes, it's a bad situation. Yes, it's a horrible thing, and there's an understanding that cops have a lot to deal with. But unfortunately, the actions of not all, but a few of the cops that are out there have played themselves in such a way in which, you know, these feelings and emotions that people are feeling are warranted. And also, you know, you got this whole, you know, mix-up thing that's going on with, um, you know, the current atmosphere in New York and the feelings that people have. It's just unfortunate that, you know, that things have had to had to go this way and that, you know, um, things have been, you know, going down the way that they have. And unfortunately, you know, I, I got a question coming up here in a little bit. Um, you know, when we return, and the question will be, how long will the NYPD and other cities, you know, uh, uh, officers face the possibility of death for the backlash from their citizens for their aggressive actions? And, uh, you know, why is it so hard for the communities and the police to come together to get an understanding on how to deal with things? They tried that here in Portland, and, and violence has reduced greatly. So when we get back, we're going to discuss that. And uh, like I said before, hopefully we can gauge some understanding. Again, this is Flossie Jeezy featuring Rawhide, who stepped out for a moment. Um, you know what I'm saying? This is 646-595-3402, and we'll be back in just a moment.
From Howard Johnson, aka Hojo, doing it again was so fine. And you're back with Flossie ZZ and Rawhide, you know what I'm saying? AKA the MC, the man with the plan, the the, the miracle but never a myth, Mike C, and, and, and filling in for here for me and representing Rawhide Pro Studios, Salmon Street, Portland, Oregon. Um, uh, but when at that intermission, when we left out, when, when you had to handle that emergency, uh, I was discussing uh, NYPD's. Uh, deal with Bill de Blasio and the fact that they're turning their backs on him, which means turning back on the families that are at those funerals and the city itself, as well as their mayor. And although they have been confrontating about, you know, let the police uh, commissioner run the police, he has said the same thing. So he is actually in concert with these guys uh, so far as uh, the mayor, so far as not checking out your uh, particular aggressions on the on the uh, situation in dealing with uh New York, New York's finest. So uh, yeah, there you go. And, and so, uh, so, so, what are you, what are your thoughts on that right now? What's going on with the mayor, being that he has an African American son and an African American wife, and he is showing concerns? I'll, I'll read it briefly for you, and you can you can tell me how you feel. Mm-hmm. Says here that okay, we we know what's going on. Bill De Blasio stood by his comments earlier in the week that he made the comments, which would have been the week of. Oh, and, of course, it's not showing here. Uh, it's January 7th today. It's not showing it. He said, in short, that he stood by his comments that his biracial son needs to take special precautions around cops. He said the Blasio explained after the non-indictment of Eric Garner that he and his wife had literally had to train their son, Dante, how to handle encounters with police and that their experience shared by the parents and other African-American children around the country, you know, the head of the, the police union, de Blasio, uh, uh, 
said that uh, he threw him under the under the bus, and that's where all the noise is coming from from the NYPD. It's actually from the police uh, policeman's uh, union leader. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it, it's true. I don't. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> why uh, you would get upset with somebody just telling you the truth? Uh, I don't know if they think that it's uh, just being over dramatized or, or something like that. You know what I mean? But uh, <clears throat> you know, it's 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 real. You have to you have to tell your kids something different. You know, and everybody knows that. That that's nothing new. That's why the, this it makes it so uh, even more horrible uh, with. Uh, all the things that are going on now with the shootings and all that, um, because it's like you, you have to stay in line, and, and you're taught to stay in line, and if you don't stay in line, well, this is what can happen to you, man. Very true statement. Very true statement. I don't see why they figured and, and feel the need to do that at a funeral because, you know, um, according to what de Blasio later on said, you know, in, in the last week or so, as he said that, you know, those individuals who took certain actions in the last two weeks, they disrespected the families that were involved, and that's the bottom line. You know what I'm saying? He said he can't understand why anyone would do such a thing. And and, and even the police commissioner, Bill Bratton, said, hey, look, don't do that. This is a funeral. Let's honor these guys in the right way, and let's get it done in the right way because in reality, when, when and, and like I said, part of Journalism 101 says that you have to state both sides of an issue. Um, those those minority cops. Funny that it was minorities that it, it happened to when when the shootings went down. But th- those guys were basically in the line of duty, and they were doing extra overtime work. And I'm quite sure that you know some of the concerns, even from the African American cops, say that there are polarizing people within the NYPD that make them feel like they even have to even fear for their lives. So just like anything else, it's one of those kind of deals where we have to be upfront and honest about things as, as they go down, and, and uh, we can't get offended when the truth hits you in the run. My question now, and this is a deep one, you know, how long will NYPD and other cities face, you know, the possibility of death or backlash from their citizens for their aggressive actions? And you and I talked about this over the phone last night. How long, much longer do you think that the people can can actually, you know, this, you know, without going off? And do you think that these attacks are now that are now on police will end anytime soon? What are your thoughts on that? Um, it's a it's a huge huge mess because uh, you don't even know what's real anymore. You know, you have uh, people that are just staging things to to create this uh, the, the the chaos of everything that's going on. Uh, with the system, just and uh, the, the the media is loving it and eating it up. You know, it's giving them something to talk about, and um, it, it is what it is. So much, man, that like we were trying to do earlier, we're like, you know what? Let's kick off the show in in a positive light. You know what I mean? And uh, and, and if we were really scarce and and, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and it's real famine out there. You know what I mean? 
I was talking with some friends last night, you know, the homie James Sr., you know, uh, and uh, and uh, the homie Tosh, actually. And um, uh, he called in last time. Man, uh, there's a lot of evil in this world, you know. There's a lot of evil. And uh, we're getting uh, even shorter and shorter on, on actual good in this world. You know, it's coming to a really uh, just sick point. You know, and uh, it's not the it's not the first time in in human civilization that this has happened. So, you know, uh, people shouldn't be so shocked. And that'll bring us into another topic that we'll talk about later. You know what I mean? With all the state benefits and things like that. But go ahead, man. Well, why don't we why don't we do that? Because you know, I'm looking at what I had up here, and I had this thing. Where you know I was just talking about the um, you know what I'm saying the the situation. First of all, before I get into that, to answer the tail end of what you were saying, I think it's going to go on for a while. I don't think that people are going to stop, you know, trying to attack cops. There's always copycats. You know, there's people over here in this country. They, they you know for the longest of time they wanted to be like Mike. Where over in in the Arab world, a lot of cats over there wanted to be like Bin Laden. I guess the, um, and that's no insult to Muslims. That's no insult to Muslims whatsoever because, you know, I mean, uh, being a Muslim myself, I know what it is and I know how, how things are done and what we're told and not told uh, is, a, is a thin line. So I don't, I don't, I'm not being disrespectful in any kind of way, shape, or form on that. Um, so far as this backlash, until these cops actually start to get it, and when I say when they start to get it, I'm talking nationwide. Until you understand that you can't take the antennas off of your car like you did in Los Angeles, until you understand that you can get away with God knows what accident because it's a known fact that you take those antennas off the police cars, as I studied, you can't use the video cameras that show what you do. Your actions are being watched. You are under a microscope. Whether you want to face that or not, you are under a microscope. And your citizens are getting tired of this uh, free willy on their lives and this, you know, this just open season, as it were, on on on, on minorities and, 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 and the populations that are out there. And I'm going to keep it short without being insulting. You need to stop and think and focus and ask yourself, honestly, is the next move that I'm about to make with this person's life a move that I should make? You have other apparatuses out there. You have beanbag guns. You have tasers. You have, you know, mace. Let's not go to the extreme first and then have the rest of us asking questions later. And that's my rant for the day. Um, now we're, we're going to get into what Rawhide was just talking about because it's a very, very, um, very important thing and a very important thing to think about. First, the first half of it is my half, which is you know Fox News and the truth of lies about Obamacare and 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 the uh, insurance benefit, and then um, Rawhide is going to elaborate on the state uh, uh, government and the benefits, phones, and welfare. And the question he's asking today is, are we becoming too dependent on these services? Is it is it truly making us lazy, and are we truly going too far? On, on on not trying to seek employment, 
on not trying to really work through things. More on, and, and it's more on, is this uh, being designed to, uh, <clears throat> is it designed to keep us lazy? And, and you know, the, the saying that as a question is ironic. You know what I mean? Because uh, you, you hear it. <laughs> yeah. It's in the statement itself. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Okay. So, so just like anything else, it's one of these type of things where, um, you know, it's, it's 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 worth looking into. My half of it again was I sat yesterday. I was having a car service at a, a local uh, Cadillac dealership, and I sat for about two and a half hours, and I heard some of the worst diatribe from a purported news station or news uh, uh, organization that I've ever heard. And I think I understand now why the regular media outlets don't really view Fox News as a as a as a uh, you know, renewed uh, uh, f- form of, of news source because they only see things in a slanted deal one way and sideways and you get a lot of half and half views. So in order to, I've been disciplining myself to kind of stay on topic, so I'm going to stay on topic. And, and, and the only thing that I have to talk about today is Obamacare, better known as the Affordable Care Act, but they gave it the name Obamacare, the stigmatism, and Obama's retort was, well, he's glad that they did it because he's glad that he was able to create something for the people. And here again, Rawhide and I work together, but a lot of our views, some he may have different opinions of, of the views that I have, and, and uh, but, but, but he has his views and I have mine, and part of the, the thing of being a winning team is to be able to respect each other's views. So I, I don't know what he's going to say right off the bat, the back because we don't practice this stuff. We come from from the from the heart and then the head, and because and then and of course from the head and then the heart because they both go hand in hand. So we can stand in control with things. But this thing with the Obamacare, I'm, I'm, if you can compare the analogy of, uh, of of a can of coffee that several years ago was 16 to 20 ounces, and it costs. Three ninety nine to four bucks, and within a year's time of of of, of the news of, of of the coffee exports and everything going weird down in South America, the coffee companies decided to take that same twelve to twenty ounce can of coffee and reduce it down to to eight ounces. But the thing was is that in lieu of doing that, they raised the price of coffee to where you were still paying the same thing that you were paying when the Commodities were in a larger size, kind of like pork bellies. You never, you never really know what's what you're going to get until until you get to the end of the, of the hog's ass. But long story short, you end up with a situation in which, um, with Obamacare, we're being told that oh, Obamacare is raising you know the wages. Oh, Obamacare is driving insurance costs up. Oh, Obamacare is doing this, that, and the third. And I'm hearing all of the Fox perspective on it. And then they go to this thing about uh, Harvard University and how all the people, which is wishful thinking, they hope all the Harvard alumnus that Obama went to school with, people that backed him during the 2008 and 2012 elections, will somehow have an epiphany and and go against his health care act. Well, the long story short, so that I don't drag it out, is that being a former postal worker, a retired postal worker, I had the privy to have health insurance that every year, every year, climbed on an average, and this was like 10, 12 years ago, climbed on the average to 12 to $16 per month per plan. So if you, so if you were to sketch that across, 
that's like an extra two hundred and oh, I want to say about two 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 hundred maybe three hundred dollars. Let's round up to three hundred dollars extra a year that you were paying for benefits. Yet each year, gradually after my first three years in the postal service, these same apparatuses were offering less and less and less services and continuing to go up on health costs. And my opinion is that the only reason why the health care uh, numbers went up because of Obama's health care plan is because these companies knew that Obama was going to make things more affordable for citizens getting health care. And the fact that they knew that it was going to, it was going to happen, they immediately went on what, what was a psychological or metaphorical land grab and start jacking up the price on all the insurance. And then, of course, the people, the lobbyists from the, from, from the right, that wanted you to get to believe that somehow it was because of Obamacare, because, you know, you know all these things that were wrong. Let's keep things in mind. Not only did Congress actually pass that thing through, but the Supreme Court backed Obama up. And if this program was so bad, you don't elect a person back-to-back times because they're a bad administrator or a bad a president. And this man got voted in twice, regardless of what the same party now Years later, six years later, all of a sudden, well, we want to work now. We want to do things. We want to get things done. But you spent the first six years saying no. My secondary rant for the day is if you are going to sit up and you're going to, you know, complain about Obamacare and you want to trash it, you want to get rid of it, and you want to strip rob, and basically, I don't want to use the R word, and we all know what it is, but basically take something from somebody, Right? And, 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 but you don't have no replacement, mm-hmm. shut up, because you don't have anything to replace it with. You don't, you don't just want to rob people who, for the first time, can walk into a, 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 an emergency room and have health care because the general complaint is that the reason why uh, health care companies, the ones that before Obamacare was there, who, by the way, still to this day, raise premiums on an average to 8 to 10%, Yearly, as people's wages go up, they raise the price of, of the health insurance to go along with it. The only reason that, that, that it went up with Obamacare is because they knew it was going to be cheaper, so they were getting as much money as they could. By the way, the same pundits that were making all the noise about Obamacare made sure that when it was approved that they were able to get the benefits of, oh, let's see, pre-existing conditions, for example, put into their health care plans, but yet they sit in the background and bash it much the same way that they said that the stimulus wouldn't work, but they were able to benefit off of that as well. So back to the original topic, if you're going to tell a story, and Journalism 101 teaches us that if you're going to tell a story, you have to tell it from both you can't just come on TV and start yelling off a bunch of numbers. By the way, the incident that Lou Dobbs was talking about yesterday on, on, on Fox with the moderator that was on there was the fact that the, the, the uh, Harvard University, who has billions of dollars in endowments, who's not even affected by the average man, which is why all the rich folks out there send their kids to Harvard and yell some of these other schools, they have a subsisting thing. And even if they had to pay for Obamacare, I'm sure that the $10 that Lou Dobbs was ranting and raving over it, but yet blowing it out of proportion was all about. The bottom line is is that $12 versus $26 under regular plans, somehow I don't see where all the fodder is coming from. I think there's, a, like George Foreman said, most of the time when, there's a, when, when you're looking for fire and there's a lot of smoke, nine times out of ten, you're just going to see more smoke. All right? Yeah, man. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, it, it's all the game, man, and it's all about uh, uh, who can get the, the gain off of what what this this new system that they're trying to build. You know, uh, one of the facts that you brought up was, you know, it, it keeps going uh, back and forth as they start changing these uh, different different regulations and stuff like that. Where, oh, okay, well, yeah, now we we need it. We 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 want the Obamacare. You know what I mean? Because now it's gonna, uh, you know, Sam, put that lining in your pocket. Yeah, and and uh, man, it, it's. I can't even wrap my my head around that that kind of stuff because uh, the more you dig deep into it, you, the more you realize that it's just a, a game. You know what I mean? It's a money game. You know, and that's it has absolutely nothing to do with me. A cruel con and a sick Christmas. I always use the term sick Christmas because we're looking for gifts, and the gifts that we receive are so negative. The gifts we receive are so disingenuous. The gifts that we receive. Like I said before, it's smoking mirrors. Like I said, if you have a complaint, a gripe, a bitch, or a moan, or a groan about the current system, that's your right. That's your First Amendment right, and I'm with you on that one. What I'm not with you on is disingenuous information where you're just telling one side. And you're not even, and, and for people who, who said no to everything, even the, even the things, and Obama's a smart man, even the programs and things he came up with that were traditionally ideas for, on the right, okay, or the Republican Party, they sit here and they continue to, with these gaffoles, make it, you know, making a sport out of what Obama says and does and said no to everything, but now that you're in charge, suddenly you want to do it. But for whatever reason, even though you've taken over Congress, you're still crying because you can't stop his power of executive orders from overriding what you do. So I guess the fun is not as much fun as you thought it was. So here's a re-gifting of the sick Christmas that you have given out. Um, next up, we're talking state government, benefits, phones, welfare, et cetera. Raw, how you were real deep on this one when I was talking to you last night as we were thinking of thought ideas for the show. Why don't you go ahead and elaborate on that a little bit? Points you were making were very poignant and as well as, you know, it, very thought-provoking with your, the thoughts you had on that. Man, last night one of my homies told me he had a government phone, and he said it like he, he meant to say government cheese or something. And uh, I flipped out. I flipped out. I did not know that with state benefits, you can get a phone mm. for free. And at first, my first thoughts with that was, Hey, the homie with the cell phone business, uh, if he uh, helps cater to them, you know what I'm saying, that's large money. My second thought was, why the hell would you ever have to work again? Why, why the hell would you ever have to be dependent on yourself when you've got uh, this this it's a monster of a, a program out there that can take care of everything you need. And I understand that there are people out there that need it. And uh, that's a whole that's a whole different uh, uh, drawer, the same dresser, uh, where, you know what I mean, the, the, the way that this government is being run right now and the stuff that uh, we're going through is one of the reasons that most of the people are in poverty in the first place, you know. Um, but uh, 
I immediately answered the the, the question uh, right after I said it, mm-hmm. and it's because when you do that, um, you uh, don't have to worry about the people uh, giving you anything for for the state uh, that you know your country is in. But do you think this is a form of uh, a sneaky form of reverse, um, if nothing else, psychological and social slavery? when you get us so dependent on all the services that you provide and show no limits on it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, but now, and, and with that said, uh, scrolling down the page, I missed this the other day where uh, the food stamp enrollment is expected to drop by $1 million next year, and that's uh, just to the north of us, I believe, uh, in uh, Washington. Uh, food stamp enrollment is expected to fall by one million next year, thanks to harsher rules, according to the new report by Liberal Washington D.C. State Stamp. Uh, the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities estimates that uh, <clears throat> falling unemployment rates will cause states to lose an exemption they currently have for food stamp uh, recipients. Which is funny because uh, that's um, exactly in line with the whole program itself. Once you get a job or you start making uh, any type of actual uh, money or loot, then uh, the benefits go down, you know? <laughs> so uh, I guess the, it, <laughs> it runs everything the same way. Well, I think, you know, there's, there's this thing that was on Dr. Dre's album, I believe it was The Chronic, where he said, uh, actually it was it was, it was Dogfather, still having Dogfather with that. I guess it was DJ Easy that came in and said, um, can you say farewell to welfare? Mm-hmm. Well, I think under the new regime, new current focus group being the Republican Party, I'm thinking that that's going to be a very, very real possibility. I'm thinking a very, very real kind of kind of thing that, that's going on in which by large numbers, according to what they were planning before, Paul Ryan's bright ideas that are not so bright for the for the poor and the working class, that there's going to be a lot of benefits and a lot of things that are going to be cut off, not only from, um, you know, uh, welfare recipients, but Social Security folks too. And what I find interesting about that, unless you sit in someone else's seat, you don't really know what it is that they're going through and what they're going to be experiencing. You got to understand, congressmen, who give themselves raises twice a year at 35000 on average a clip. And this is based on seniority, so imagine what a, what a John Boehner or, or Mitch McConnell get on their raises every six months. Um, and, no one, and, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to police someone when, when they are the police. Um, it, it's a crazy thing to, to think about and look at because these people are getting their, their palms greased at an alarming rate of speed I would say 140 mile an hour zone, and the rest of us are out here still on Strugglesville, wondering how we're going to make our next buck. You're talking about cutting off Social Security because Social Security, in reality, doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect you because you know you make so much money, you don't have to return on on on, on uh, depend on Social Security. And but not everybody went to college. Not everybody did things. You know, I had an interesting analysis last night. I was going over with with, with you in which I was stating that, to me, it's funny not only how this, how this goes down and everything, but how, you know, you, you got people 
uh, you know, who, who who went to college, who got money, who got you know everything that you can that you can think of, you know, you know, kind of handed to them and everything, and 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 the people that are the have-nots are just kind of up in the air and out there and don't know, you know, which way, you know, th- th- you know, their lives are going to turn or, or where they're going to get, you know, their, their next buck from. And you can so easily just close the door on these people knowing that you're not sitting in the same shoes that they're sitting in is really repugnant and repulsive. I had some other things, and but I got distracted here on the, on the computer that I was going to put forth, but I'm sure in the course of doing business, you know, I, I will think of them later on. But it's just a whole lot of stuff that's going on out here that just kind of amazes me that continues to go on, and yet we sit up here and we see all this stuff happening, and we we can't seem to uh, get a grip on it because you know it's a it's a, as they say it's a slippery slope, and and the more you try if you don't have have your have your you, you know your, your shoes on your shoes laced up tight you mean your shit galoshes your shit galoshes you're gonna end up with a with a whole lot of problems. So, um, you know, it's it's a lot for us to look at here and, and so far as analyzing things. We're doing a good job of, you know, staying on point and getting all of our, our topics in because we're we're going through them and we're staying on, on, on topic. Like I said, that's something through watching other show formats and doing things that I'm trying to practice on and staying on point uh, so far as things go. But, you know, our ne- our next topic when we come back from break it's going to be, uh, you know, if it's too hot, get out of the kitchen. And what I'm saying that for is we have a superintendent of schools in Arizona that of all the things this individual could be thinking about, his focus is on ending KRS-One being taught in the schools or any form of, he's up, they've already cut out, even though the population with Arizona being on the border of Mexico is heavily populated with, with Mexicans. They've even cut out certain history about them. And evidently they see Karras one as a bad influence when we have to hear about the first 15 presidents before Lincoln who owned slaves being somehow the fathers of our nation. And uh, once again, that's, that's a sick Christmas to me. But we'll get into that when we get back. Right now, speaking of Karras one you know, they tell you that if you're not careful, love will get you. You know, that's why, man, I be telling you all the time, man, you know, love, that word love is a very serious thing. And if you don't watch out, I tell you that. Because a lot of people out here, they say, my car, or I love my chain, or, or I, I, I'm just in love with that girl over there. So for all the people out there that fall in love with material items, we're going to bump the beat a little something like this. I'm in junior high with a B plus grade. At the end of the day, I don't hit the arcade. I walk from school to my mom's apartment. I've got to tell the suckers every day, don't start it. 
in a while I hear Chef say no. Or the other commercial I love is when they say this is your brain on drugs. I pick up my remote control and just turn. Cause with that bullshit, I'm not concerned. See me and my brother jump in the BM. Driving around our territory again. I stop at the light like a superstar. And automatic weapons go straight my car. I hit the accelerator, scared as shit. And drove one block to find my brother was hit. He wasn't dead, but the blood was pouring. And all I could think about was warring. Later I found that it was robbing his crew. Now tell me what the fuck am I supposed to do?
you know. Um, so yeah. Well, what we have here is on January fifth. You know, um, let's make sure we get the right thing that this was coming from. This is via Rolling Stone magazine. It says here that Arizona State Superintendent of Public Education John, you know, Huppenthal, uh, spent the last day uh, of work targeting the Tucson Unified School District for violating the state's ban on ethnic studies. And according to, why would you wait for the last day to do that? Sounds kind of, sounds kind of cowardly. According to the Arizona Daily Star, in particular, the notice of noncompliance he sent to the district superintendent, uh, Dr. H.T. Sanchez, on January 2nd, highlighted the two music-related violations, the use of Rage Against the Machine, Take the Power Back, and Mexican-American History, and uh, introducing um, an introduction of hip-hop written by KRS-One in an English class that taught from an African-American perspective. Okay? So it says that uh, Huffenthal's uh, notice uh, cited lyrics taken from Take the Power Back with Asterix covering profanity that linked the rap trailblazer's essay in which he defines hip-hop as artistic response to oppression. Both instances were were referenced to classes taught at Tucson's Chola High School Magnet, excuse me, Chola High Magnet School. Except the notice also noted that the handout that asked why American slavery uh, uh, was the most uh, brutal in history, and the requirement for students to recite uh, Mayan Aztec teachings daily, the class replaced the Mexican-American studies classes that was deemed to violate the law. In other words, they wanted to tell it from the perspective that they wanted to tell from and not what is actual like they do everything else in this country. So the school chiefs threatened to cut state funding for District 10 if it did not comply with the law. So now we're practicing blackmail. But 10%. Like, like there isn't enough money that's being cut from schools and stuff like that. Like, and and uh, well, one of the things that got me, and um, and it was saying in here that uh, with the programs uh, in play for the students, uh, you know, there was a, a, a you know a plus percentage uh, that were able to uh, complete the program and graduate. You know, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know at least. Uh, them not being in the red, you know, it's, I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe it was a little racy for them, but, you know, one thing that is going to have to come into play, especially with our education, is realizing that um, it's, it's, it's not all flowers, roses, and care bears when it comes to uh, the different cultures in this country, because this uh, country was built off of crushing other cultures. You know, uh, and and using other cultures and and demeaning other cultures, um, so that that has to be that that has to be studied. You know, the only way not to make the same mistake through history is to learn from uh, your mistakes, or, or or to 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 learn your history and and to know it, so you don't have to repeat it. There you go. Well, I, something like that. Well, I I agree with you 110 percent, not only in principle but in presentation because. The take that I get from it is the take that, that I, I've often had and I usually take right about now, and, I, and I'm trying to get off the ranting section of, of, of doing things on the show. But when I sit up here and I hear someone else tell tell a, a person 
who is Hispanic American, how to better teach a Hispanic American when they're not Hispanic American, or to better teach the African American experience and you're not African American, that to me speaks to something far greater than what's going on with whatever this situation is. And then to have uh, a lively uh, shot at basically blackmailing the district out of funding, which should be, which, should, which, which, when you're talking about doing this in a uh, in a form in which children are depending on the funding, and as, as Rawhide so eloquently put it, it's one of these type of deals where, in doing this, you know that the, that the children already are are, are depleted so far as, as for funding for their schools, for programs that affect them and everything else. And so many endowments, as we mentioned earlier, are given to these larger schools, are given to these larger apparatuses, are given to these, you know, these other these other uh, frameworks that I find it actually, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, I find it reprehensible that you would have people to sit up and try to actively, uh, you know, push this along the way that they're doing it, knowing that, you know, that, you know, everyone doesn't see things as the same. We're not all clones. I mean, you, you expect us to sit up here, listen to, adhere to, and praise the first 15 presidents of the United States, George Washington included, as fathers of our country, yet um, they own slaves. How can, you, how can you sit up here and have a, a situation where you have people people that own slaves to be called fathers of the, of the country, and we revere these people with their birthdays or President's Day and everything else? And basically here again, you have white folks that are, are, are sponsoring this stuff. And, you know, hats off to you for educating us on, on from your perspective. But every now and then, every now and then, I would like to see, and I think it's very healthy, to have, uh, you know, a pro- programs where people who are of the culture speak for their culture in, in, in education. And, and man, let me tell you something. One of my uh, one of the worst words uh, I loathe right now is uh, the word perspective, because uh, with everybody talking about their perspective, it's uh, allowing them to. Uh, 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 alter or uh, obscure the reality of the situation. You know what I mean? Um, and sure, you can say, you know, there's always three sides of the story. Well, that's exactly what it is. And there's three sides to a story. There's my side, your side, and then there's the truth. And all we ever bicker and fight over as far as trying to get over any type of uh, uh, relations or, or, or common ground of uh you know, uh, community uh, uh, with, with having uh, the history and the divide um, uh, that has gone on for generations. Um, we we got to get off our perspective and and uh, finally focus on the reality. You know, because we can talk about our perspectives until we're blue in the face, but until you know um, we start looking at the the proof that's in that pudding, until we start looking at exactly what we saw in that videotape, it's not a perspective thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree 110%. I, cu- I couldn't have put it any better than that. I, I think I'll let, I think I'll let, it, 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 let it end on that, on that footnote because 
And like I said, I just can't put it any better than that. You know what I'm saying? But you know, you know, hopefully, as things can, we continue to grow. And I think I mentioned it to you last night. Um, the people that voted Barack Obama in office, twice, not once but twice, are not the generation of the people that think this way. It's my son's generation. It's people, you know, between our generation and his. And it's and it's you know it's it's one of these type of things where, unless you have, like I said, like I said, I don't, didn't want to run too far onto it. Like I said, I'll just end it briefly by saying, unless you start to give an understanding from someone else's uh, sitting in that chair, whether it's uh, Hispanic Americans teaching Hispanic Americans, African Americans teaching African Americans, or yes, even which has has always has been is white Americans teaching uh, white Americans, no one can tell the other in, in truth and reality how to be who they are like them. Like Steve Arrington once said, you know, nobody can be you like you. And, uh, and the sooner we realize that, the better off world will be. And as we get ready to kind of close in on, on the tail end of the show today, I have one more special extra for you folks out there, unless something else comes up, of course, because we, we always have plenty of extras. Seems that uh, Felisa Richard has finally spoken on the Bill Cosby deal, and of course, social media and you know the news media is out there, and Sheriff Fox and some of the rest of these, you know, what I'm saying honest, you know, uh, reporting apparatuses out there will probably disagree with her. Felicia came out yesterday with a statement, and she said that Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby's TV wife, broke her silence and defended the comedian against sexual abuse allegations. And and, and, and and here again, I say I say good for her. It says here that um, during uh, a Tuesday interview with Showbiz 411, Rashad attacks the, uh, on Cosby were orchestrated, uh, and the public should ignore these allegations, which is in excess of 20 at this point. Rashad, who played the role of Claire Huxtable on the show, right, was highly critical of women who have come forward. She said, forget these women, Rashad told the entertainment website. What you are seeing is the destruction of a legacy. And I think it's orchestrated. Someone is determined to keep Bill Cosby off TV, uh, and it has worked. Rashad is not the first cast member of the Cosby show to make headlines. Keisha Knight Pulliam, right, made news because she refused to... Uh, call Cosby to beg for money for the Apprentice show. And that's as far as I'm going on that because that's actually irrelevant to the story about about Felicia Richard. And the bottom line is is that the Apprentice episode was the pre-taping, so it's disingenuous to somehow link those two together when they don't go together, so I'm going to stop on that. But the bottom line is, you know, um, Felicia Richard, who I've always respected and still respect to this day, I think she's right, and she keeps right within alignment of what my uh, co-host, Rawhide, said some two weeks ago before this article broke. And that's that they saw Cosby getting ready to come back on TV, you know, with 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 the show, with net, you know, through Netflix, different apparatuses that he had. And they knew he was getting ready to come back on TV. And the last time he was on TV, he 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 so dominated, he so dominated the the, the scenery, 
on, on, on what was going on that, like anything else, they, they sit and they use, you know, excuses to stain someone and to, and to, and to drop bombs, you know, on, on this man. They catch him at almost 80 years old where he's not strong enough to defend himself. Then when someone comes and defends himself, then there's a problem with that too. And I just find it strike curious, striking and curious. I find it strike curious that the missing X factor, and not that they always have an X factor, which is the unknown factor of something that's going on. For me, the X factor in all this is that with all these people that have come up, you ask them a common question, at least 18 out of 20 of them. Did you ever tell anybody else that any of this happened? Because if it's that long ago, somebody somewhere is going to come up and say something, especially when you're dealing with the enormity of the person that Cosby is. And that X factor is missing in all this stuff. And it takes the courage of a few people out there that won't bend and fold and flip under, right, the way Ms. Richard has done, again, hats off to her, to bring some truth in, and actually she's bashed by the media because they're not saying what you, you they, they want her to say. But I just, uh, Ron, I just think that that's crazy and funny. Well, well like I told this. you, like I told you, man, if uh, if anybody would have got it, it would have been Claire Huxley for real. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, you know, when when she steps forward and she's like, you know. I don't know what really happened, but hey, if uh, I could put uh, my uh, two cents in, I really believe it's media driven. And you can kind of tell because all of a sudden, uh, you know what I'm saying, these over a dozen women hop out of nowhere all at once when he's about to come back on TV. Well, I tell you. Things that happen and things that, that, that go down, and we don't know why they happen. All we know is that they do. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I have an affinity for, for marsupials that, uh, that's not very favorable, and I do smell a rat, so, so, and, 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 it's, and it's not a good one. So as we wind down, we're going to drop one more song on you before we get out of here. Um, this one's by Glenn Lewis. And we want you to remember that whenever it comes down to your your you know your media needs or whatever it is out there, whether it's recording apparatus or mastering, you got Raw High Pro, you got your boy Flossy G holding you down with those instrumentals. Yeah. You can always come home. So let's drop Glenn Lewis on you real quick and make sure that you don't forget that you can always come home. Six four six five nine five three four zero two. Your heart is made of and 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.